our new series called Habits. And I mentioned that we're going to be talking about listening to God through Scripture. But I want to begin by showing you a picture. I want to show you a map. This is a map of Jewel Cave, which is out in South Dakota. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of Jewel Cave, but this is a massive system of underground passageways. Altogether, we're talking about 200 miles of caverns. And this map is pretty cool because it shows all of those passageways, and it's also color-coded. The deeper colors indicate a deeper depth. And because I knew you would be really impressed with this map, I went to the trouble of printing out a copy. I have it with me right now. And the good news is I am willing to give you this map for free. And all you have to do is wait till the service is over and then come down. I'll be right down front here. And, and you ask me, it's yours. But the problem is I only have one copy. So it's first come, first serve. So now I'm curious. How many of you are planning to just sprint down after service is over so you can get this map? Well, honestly, I'd be surprised if anybody does that. Uh, it's possible that some of you are mildly interested in Jewel Cave, but my guess is that you don't have a burning desire to go over this map in detail. But let's change the scenario for a second. What if you were somewhere deep inside Jewel Cave, and you were lost, and you just ate your last cliff bar, and you just had your last swig of water, and your flashlight it only has a little battery life left? Well, if that was the situation, how interested would you be in this map? You'd be pretty interested, wouldn't you? You'd take this map, You'd go over it in detail. You'd try to figure out where you are and how you could possibly get out. This map would suddenly become your prized possession. Now, do you see where I'm going with this? In my hand, I'm holding a copy of the Bible. And I'm very curious to know, how interested are you in this book? Do you believe that God has something to say to you through this book? And do you have a strong desire to read it and follow God's instructions, listen to Him? Well, if you're not there, I want you to know it is possible to get there. Listen to these words from Psalm 73. The psalmist is speaking to God and he says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like someone who is desperate for God. For this guy, everything else in the world pales in comparison with God. Now, why would his longing be so strong? Well, I believe whoever wrote this was kind of like that person who is lost in Jewel Cave He's in serious need of help, and he has come to the conclusion that only God is his real source of help. So, that's the author of Psalm 73. But what about you? Do you have in your heart a deep desire to hear from God? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But either way, there's something all of us should know, and it's this. Everyone is desperate for God. 
but not everyone is aware of it. It may not seem like that's true as you look around at work or at school or at the grocery store. It actually seems like a lot of people are just cruising through life. And sure, they, they got a few problems like everybody else, but you don't see a look of desperation on their face. But like I said, not everyone is aware of their need for God, and not everyone has that need on the front burner. The truth is, the need is there every minute of every day. Apart from God, none of us would have our next breath. None of us would have our next heartbeat. Apart from God, we would have no hope of getting through this life, and we certainly wouldn't have any hope for eternity. We're all desperate for God. And when our thinking is based on reality, we'll sound a lot like this author of Psalm 73. We'll pursue God above everything else, and His Word will be our prized possession. Now, I wanted to start here because I want to make sure we all know what this series is not about. This is not about some big guilt trip like, okay, we're going to make a list of all the areas where you need to step it up. You need to stop eating junk food. You need to exercise more. You need to floss every day. And yeah, you need to read your Bible more. No, that's not what this is. We're not here to just add to the list of things you already feel bad about. We're here to find hope. We're here to understand that as we go through this cave called life, we all need help, serious help. And there is someone who has the ability to help us, and he wants to help us. See, this is good news we're talking about here. As a church, we're pretty clear on where we find hope. Our hope comes from Jesus Christ. So Plum Creek's mission is leading people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. When we were lost, when, when we had no way to escape death and disaster, Jesus came, and he made a way for us to get back to God. So when you find that relationship with Jesus, he changes things. He has the power to change you. He can change where you're headed for eternity, and that's huge, but He can also change your everyday life here and now. He can transform you so that you become more like Him. You'll look like Him. You'll act like Him. But that's where a lot of us get hung up. A lot of us have made a commitment to follow Jesus. We've accepted this amazing gift of forgiveness and salvation that only comes through Jesus, but the, the problem is many of us are struggling to make real progress spiritually. We're having trouble overcoming sin. We're having trouble showing the love of Christ in every situation. We're feeling a little stuck, to be honest. But here's the hope. It doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to stay stuck. God wants us to change. He wants us to grow, and He will help us do that, but it's going to require some discipline from us. We're going to have to develop some new habits. Now, the subtitle for this habit series is Spiritual Disciplines for Life-Changing Growth. And we need to understand what we mean by spiritual disciplines. I like the way Don Whitney talks about this. Whitney is a professor of biblical spirituality, and he says, spiritual disciplines are practices found in Scripture 
that promote spiritual growth among followers of Jesus Christ. So these are behaviors or habits that have been practiced by God's people since biblical times. And they include things like reading Scripture, praying, devoting time to worship, devoting time to to honor the Sabbath, uh, serving God. All all these are spiritual disciplines, and there there are many others as well. And and the good news is God will use these practices to bring about positive change in your life. But there is a downside, though. The downside is that we don't always find these activities fun or enjoyable. In fact, They seem like work sometimes. But when you think about it, how many good things actually come easy? If you want to be the best in a particular sport, or you want to be the best in your career, or you want to have the best marriage or relationships, what do you have to do? You have to work hard day in and day out. You have to push past boundaries. You have to do hard things that you don't feel like doing. So why would it be different with spiritual things? If you want to reach a level of spiritual maturity, if you want to have a deep and close relationship with God, if you want to take on the character of Christ, why would you expect to just snap your fingers and it suddenly happens? The Bible actually tells us to expect the opposite. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, the Apostle Paul says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So, train yourself for godliness. Establish a regimen of spiritual disciplines that will help you become the person God wants you to be. So, it sounds like this ain't going to happen without some serious work But then that takes us right back to that guilt trip I mentioned before, doesn't it? Won't this just feel like a heavy burden that's on my shoulders and I'm I'm just going to feel bad all the time because I know I'm not doing as much as I should? Well, we need to read something else that Paul wrote over in Philippians chapter 2. Over there, Paul writes, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And yeah, so far, that still sounds like it's on our shoulders, but let's keep reading. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. So, based on that, who's doing the work here? Is it me or is it God? It's both, isn't it? So, how does that make sense? Well, let's use an analogy that may help us understand. Let's think of the difference between rowing and sailing. If you're in a rowboat, what is it that makes you go? You do, right? You you take those oars and you just row and row until you're exhausted. But sailing is different. How so? Well, a sailor doesn't provide the power to move forward, right? The sailor still has an important role, but he or she does not move the boat. The wind does that job. And it works the same way in our spiritual lives. Our role is not to grab the oars and get ourselves to the destination. Our role is to raise the sails and catch the wind. 
See, real life change does not happen by our own power. Real change happens by the power of God's Holy Spirit working in us. But here's our part. We need to develop habits that will put us in situations where the Holy Spirit will work. That's what we're responsible for. So in very practical terms, what does it look like to raise the sails spiritually? Well, that's what this series is all about. We're learning how to make these spiritual disciplines a habit. And this word habit is very intentional because there's a lot of hope in that word. When a behavior turns into a habit, it's no longer something you force yourself to do. You just do it naturally, right? So that's where we want to be, whether we're talking about reading Scripture or any other spiritual discipline. A few years ago, Duke University published a study, and it said that 40% of the actions we perform each day are not decisions. They're actually habits. 40%. Have you ever thought about this? It's pretty amazing, really. Think back on when you learned how to drive a car. Remember how stressful that was? Remember all those little tasks that you just had to tell yourself to do? You know, fasten your seatbelt, foot on the brake, uh, turn the key in the ignition, put the car in gear, press the accelerator, use your turn signal, look out for that squirrel. There's so many things. And you had to just think about dozens of things all at once. But then after you've become an experienced driver, it gets a lot easier. Let me ask you a question. These days, how often do you make a voluntary decision to use your turn signal? I mean, when do you ever think, oh, right turn coming up. I need to tell my left hand to move up to that stick connected to the steering column, and I need to move it to an upward position. You don't think like that, do you? It's just a habit at this point. So is it possible for spiritual disciplines to work that way? To a great extent, it is possible. It doesn't happen right away, but you can definitely get there. And here's where we can benefit from research. We've actually learned a lot about how the human mind works, especially in this area of building and changing habits. A couple years ago, I read a fascinating book by Charles Duhigg called The Power of Habit. And I highly recommend this book if you want to learn more on this topic. Uh, But I'll explain just one basic concept. Duhigg talks about something called the habit loop. And this is a process that takes place in your brain multiple times every day. The habit loop has three components. First is the cue. Second is the routine. And third is the reward. And this is extremely straightforward. A cue is a trigger that leads to a behavior. For example, say you walk into a house and you smell fresh baked chocolate chip cookies. Now that's a perfect trigger, isn't it? That cue can trigger you to do what? To to go and eat a cookie, right? So that's the behavior, but then what's the reward? Well, The reward is obvious, isn't it? That cookie tastes really good. But then how does a behavior change from a one-time event into a habit, a routine? Well, your brain is always looking for routines that can become habits. So if your, your brain is interested in a particular reward, and then you provide a particular cue on a regular basis, any behavior can become routine. 
So back to our example. If someone in your house bakes chocolate chip cookies every evening at 7.38 p.m., well, that smell will become a consistent cue, and you just might develop the habit of eating at least one cookie a night, maybe more. But then over time, you might discover you don't really want that to be a habit anymore. There are some drawbacks to that, and you, you want to break the pattern and, and do things differently. Well, if that's the case, once you have a habit, how do you break it? Well, according to research, when we pay close attention to the cues and the rewards, we can actually change the routine. So let's put this into practice with our topic for today, listening to God through Scripture. How can we establish that behavior as a habit? Well, let's go through the nuts and bolts of how we do that. First, we start with a decision. We need to decide that listening to God, it's a priority a high priority. But in order for that decision to stick, we have to really believe that this behavior is important. So that takes us to the reward part of the habit loop. What's, what's your motivation here? Is it guilt? Like, I know, I'm supposed to read my Bible. Well, in, in my experience, guilt is not very effective as a long-term motivation. But if it's not guilt, then what is it? Is it fear? Like, uh, well, I, I know that I need to meet a daily quota of reading my Bible, and if I don't, I'm going to be in trouble with God. No, that's not it either. Remember, we don't earn God's approval by what we do. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. It's not by works. So reading the Bible is not a way to earn salvation or keep salvation. But then if, if the motivation is not guilt or fear, then what is it? What compels us to prioritize listening to God? Well, ideally, the answer is love. We need to learn to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and mind and strength. But let's be honest. What if we're not quite there yet? It's kind of hard to force yourself to love someone, isn't it? Well, here's my recommendation, and it's a starting place that works for all of us, wherever you are. Our motivation is our need for God. The reward is knowing God and receiving His help. And, and, and the more we receive that help, the, the more we're going to learn to love Him. That's what we find in Psalm 121 where the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Like I said earlier, we're all desperate for God. We just need to be aware of that fact every single day. And the more that truth sinks into our hearts, the more we'll long to hear from Him. And, and we need to hear from the real God, the, the one true God, uh, not some human distortion of God's truth. Sometimes people will say that God spoke to them directly, and that's certainly possible because God can do whatever He wants. But the problem is you can't trust people you can't trust the human heart. The Bible tells us the heart is deceitful above all things. So that's why Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God speaks to us and he reveals his truth to us through his word. So as we make this decision to listen to God, let's be clear, we can't do that without going to Scripture. 
Well, once we've made that decision, it's time to take action. We're going to raise the sails and catch the wind. So the second thing we need to do is make an appointment to meet with God. Now, we started with the reward part of the habit loop, but, but now we're looking for a cue that will lead to a behavior. It's a lot like smelling those cookies at the same time every evening. So our cue is this appointment. You set a certain time and a certain environment, and, and that tells your brain what's about to happen. You know, even Jesus understood the need to make an appointment with God. In Mark 1.35, we read that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So what would be the best time and the best place for you? Maybe early in the morning. It could also be late at night. It may be a chair in your house, or it may be your desk at work. The point is, you just set the time and you set the location, and then you treat it like any other appointment on your calendar. Don't break it. After all, you're, you're meeting with someone who is extremely important. The next thing on the list is to have a plan. And now we're in that behavior part of the loop, and, and we're trying to build a routine. And this step is, is really vital because if you don't have a plan, you're going to feel aimless, and you won't stick with this behavior long enough for it to become routine. But you don't have to figure this out by yourself. These days, we have so many resources available to help us get into God's Word. I can't even come close to giving you a comprehensive list, but I'll, I'll give you just a few examples. First, if you need a place to start, you can try the Plum Creek Reading Plan. We make this reading plan available in your bulletin every week. It's uh, at the bottom of the note sheet inside there, and, and it always goes along with whatever the sermon is about. So that's a great place to start, but it may be that you're looking for something to help you go deeper in the Bible and get more out of Scripture. If that's the case, if you need to go deeper, I'd recommend a good study Bible. This here is my wife's study Bible. It's the, the ESV study Bible. It's pretty hefty, but it's really good. And really, there are so many great options out there. And, and if you're looking for specific ideas, uh, any of us ministers would be glad to point you in the right direction. But what if you're kind of intimidated by the Bible or you just don't like reading in general? Well, I've got a couple suggestions that you may find helpful. If you're a visual learner, check out The Bible Project. These people are, are doing phenomenal work. You can find them at thebibleproject.com. These guys have put out a series of videos that provide a, a visual overview of every single book in the Bible. These videos are fun, they're creative, and they give a lot of great information that will prepare you to dive into Scripture. The last resource I'll mention is for people who prefer audio. You'd rather listen than read. And there are lots of audio versions of the Bible, but many of them are free. Uh, one great place to go is the YouVersion app. There you, you can download this app and, and listen to the Bible in lots of different versions. It works best with a Wi-Fi connection. But, but this is just one example of something that wasn't around even a few years ago. YouVersion also has lots of different Bible reading plans, and you can also set reminders and alerts if those kind of cues are helpful to you. But again, it's free. 
We've got lots of resources available to us, and, and that's great, but I do need to warn you. In order to develop this habit of listening to God, you need to be ready to break some bad habits. You won't establish new habits without getting rid of some old ones. And the truth is, a lot of us struggle in the same areas. Busyness and distractions are bad habits that will keep us from hearing God. And we may feel like we just don't have the time for God's Word, but the reality is we all have the time. This week I read an article by a guy named Charles Chu, and he said, in a given year, the average American spends 608 hours on social media. Did you get that? The average American spends 608 hours on social media every year. And that's on top of the 1,600 hours that Americans spend watching TV. Now, just to compare, do you know how long it takes to read the entire Bible out loud at a casual pace? Just over 70 hours. Now, this article I read, it was not written from a Christian perspective. Charles Chu was just making the point that we all have time for whatever we prioritize. He said, uh, it's not that hard. We all have the time we need. The scary part, the part we all ignore, is that we are too addicted, too weak, and too distracted to do what we all know is important. Now, that quote sounds kind of pessimistic, but that's not where I am today. I really believe that change is possible, but there's another part of the equation. In that book about habits, Charles Duhigg says that it's very important to be a part of a community that helps you believe change is possible. In fact, Duhigg states that if you want to change your habits, your best chance for success is to join a group that will help you get there. That's actually a biblical principle too. Hebrews 10.24 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And this is where we saw an opportunity with this Habits series. We already have a built-in community here at Plum Creek. But over the next few weeks, we're going to encourage each other in a new way. Never done this before, but we're going to host a Facebook Live event five nights a week throughout this series. You can see the info on the front of your bulletin. So you can join us by logging on to the Plum Creek Facebook page at exactly 7.38 p.m. every night, starting tonight, Sunday through Thursday, uh, during this whole series. We'll spend about five minutes in Scripture and in prayer, and, and we'll talk about how to incorporate the habit for that particular week. Now, in case you can't make it at exactly 7.38, it's fine to go back and watch the video later. It'll still be there. In fact, you don't even need a Facebook account to see the video. You can just follow the link that's in your note sheet and on the screen right now. If possible, though, we do encourage you to join us live. That's a community thing. We can, you know, kind of talk back and forth with each other in, in the moment. But you know what will happen if we all keep these appointments with God at, at least five days a week for the next seven weeks? I'll tell you what will happen. We will be well on our way to having some new habits. We'll be incorporating spiritual disciplines into our everyday lives. And when you do that, God will change you. 
Now, to wrap it up here, I need to give you just a couple things to keep in mind. First, remember that life change is a gradual process. Don't expect instant growth, but do be willing to obey. Nobody becomes an all-star overnight in, in any category, whatever you're trying to do. This process takes time to grow spiritually. But the question is, when God tells you something in Scripture, when He gives you specific instructions, how will you respond? Will you walk away after listening to God, but you're basically unchanged? Or will you say, yes, Lord, I see what you're asking me to do, and I'm going to get up and do it. That's a huge part of what it means to listen to God James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. He'll give you the power to change, but you got to be willing. And over time, your individual decisions to surrender to the Holy Spirit will start to add up and you will become a different person. You'll become a person who looks a lot more like Jesus. Now, is it going to be smooth sailing every day? Is it going to be one long, continuous line of improvement? No. You'll have some ups and downs. You'll, you'll have times when you don't feel like doing any of these spiritual disciplines. But that's when you have to come back to that foundational truth. That's when you have to remember that this relationship, your relationship with God, this is the greatest need in your life. You and I are desperate for God. Absolutely desperate. And yeah, we don't always sense it, but the truth is always there. Some of you already know this, but uh, I've had kind of a crazy week. I spent most of last Sunday and Monday in the hospital. It's kind of a long story, and I won't get into all the details, but uh, basically, my wife, Hannah, saw that the right side of my face was drooping. She was concerned that I may be having a stroke. Two other people saw the same thing, and uh, so we ended up in the ER. Now, I wasn't aware of my droopy face. I, I had been feeling completely normal, but I knew I should take this seriously. Everybody in the hospital took it very seriously, too. Uh, they admitted me. They ran all kinds of tests on me, uh, CAT scan, MRI, the whole gamut. And just so you know, everything came back fine. Uh, there was no sign of a stroke or anything serious. And the neurologist believes I've been dealing with something called silent migraines, which I'd never heard of, but uh, this means you've got migraine symptoms without the pain of a headache. And I'm praying that the doctor is right, because that would answer a lot of questions about some health issues I've had over the past year. But there's a reason I'm telling you this. When we were in the hospital, and when we were waiting on test results to see if I'd had a stroke, Hannah read out loud from the Bible, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now, I've heard Psalm 23 literally hundreds of times in my life, and I hate to say it, 
but many of those times, my reaction was pretty similar to how you responded to my cave map. Kind of like, oh, that's nice. But this past Monday morning, when I heard those words, I was a lot more like that person who's lost in the cave looking for hope. I was clinging to those words, especially verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's the difference. That's what it's like to hear from God when you're desperate to listen to what He has to say. This week reminded me that whenever you feel like you're in control, that's just an illusion. Everything may be going great right now, but... Life can change in an instant. Some of you know that all too well. So let's not read the Bible like we're just checking off a box on the to-do list. Let's read God's Word like this is our prized possession because he, He loves us and He's speaking to us. And we need to hear from Him. He's He's our only real source of help and hope. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that uh, you haven't left us alone. You've reached out to us. You've reached down to us, and, and you will speak to us today. I know we need to listen to you. We need to make this a habit, but we need your help with that as well, because uh, we're sometimes not good at building healthy habits. God, uh, I pray that you'll teach us to surrender to you, not just that initial time that we turn our lives over to you, but every day for the rest of our lives. Can you show us how to do that? Can you help us encourage each other to do that? Lord, we need you. So we look to you right now. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.